welcome back to another episode of A Hundred Steps to Drag, the podcast where I, Natasha Hundred, sits you with your favorite artists and ask them about their journey, about their career, about their knowledge. And my guest today, you know what? You, you know, you've heard a couple of, what do you call them? Preconceptions that drag queens are always loud, that we're always like obnoxious. She is the complete opposite. She's so delightful to be around. Like her presence just calms me down so much. And she's equal parts of fierce. I'm so excited to have her. Please welcome Divinity. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Natasha. Thank you so much for doing this. I am so excited for us to chat because we haven't chatted in forever. <laughs> yes. I think last time we saw each other and like the last and first <laughs> and ever t- only time we met <laughs> is uh, when we were recording that uh, that movie. Yeah, for Disney. For Disney Plus, I think. Yeah. It was so exhausting, girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do not recommend long hours of just sitting there and then, yeah, that was a very interesting experience. That's for sure. For sure. Like, my feet were so dead by the end of the night. I'm like, oh, I can't. But I remember at some point of the night, like, it was almost like 2, 3 a.m. And I went to you and you were like, mm-hmm. we almost got this girl. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And the, honestly, that got me through the rest of the, the filming. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I like to give words of encouragement when I can. <laughs> honestly, we need more of that within the drag community yeah i think so too and that's kind of like one of the messages that i've been trying to spread i guess like like there's a difference between being shady and you know like just being a bitch and uh that's definitely not where divinity comes from (laughs) i love that where does divinity come from like how would you define your drag so i have a big background in like spirituality and therapy and healing so i've kind of like infuse that into my drag maybe it's not as blatant or in your face uh, and maybe one day it will be i don't know um but yeah it's all about connection and healing and love i love that and i can really see that you know when i see it i was talking your instagram and your social media for the episode <laughs> uh because we've been connected for a while but honestly we've only met in person once and honestly like the performances are fierce and what i loved about your tiktok it's like this TikTok that you stitched of this kid and he wanted to wear a dress to school, but like, well, like other kids would like make fun of him. Mm-hmm. And you you stitched it. And again, so calming, so lovingly. You were like, I'm a drag queen. I'm wearing this dress and I love yours. And it's, it's special. So wear it. And I'm like, oh my God, I was so touched by that that was beautiful and I, I actually um someone that i went to high school with i'm from pennsylvania i'm sure we'll get into that but someone that i went to high school with her child is non-binary and is getting bullied at school and even with family members and she hit me up a couple weeks ago and, and it was really healing for me in a way because i felt like i was talking to my younger self but i was just you know they're saying like you know maybe this is life right now and maybe these people don't understand you but at some point you'll be able to choose who you spend your time with and who you give your energy to and and you'll be respected by them and they'll be your chosen family. Maybe you don't need to move to Los Angeles, but, but you'll find your tribe. And that's what's important in the queer community, truly. Yeah, to find your group, whether you live in Pennsylvania, in the Midwest, or in California, like it's just finding that group of people that will support you and that will be there for you, no matter what, no matter where you are. Because like, you'll find them. I mean, there's queer people everywhere. In like some parts, it's I think it's more visible than others, but you'll find them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I was also just talking about like how brave it is that this child is even able to like 
acknowledge this part of themselves. You know, there was so much that I couldn't acknowledge about about myself because I didn't feel like I was safe to. And so for that to like really push through and to show through and to shine through is really amazing. And shout out to the parent too, because the parents were so supportive of that. I'm like, oh my God. Like I relate to that a lot because I don't think I could express myself as I wanted to when I was growing up. Same Again, there. maybe mainly because of fear. Like it's, it's hard, you know, like you never know how your family is reacting. So I just loved how parents are being so much more accepting of like whoever their child is and however they decide to express themselves. Yeah, I mean, I. I got very teary-eyed in that part of the video when I was kind of mentioning, I was like, you know, your mom loves you very much. And even even to the point where she'll reach out to someone like me that's able to like inspire you. And that's nothing that my mom would have done. Like if, if I was in the same shoes, it would have been a very different conversation happening. <laughs> same, same. That conversation wouldn't have even started in the first place. It'd be like, nope, take that off. We're leaving. <laughs> Right. So that interaction like really gave me hope because I do worry about these rural areas in our country, especially right now, just to like see that there's one person's life that I may have touched or that their family is able to accept them in a, in a way that I don't think it would have been the same even five years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah, we're making progress. Nowadays, it feels like we're going backwards a little bit with everything that's going on with the anti-LGBT laws. But I feel like overall, we are making progress and like the fight's not over. It's just exhausting to keep fighting the same battles, but we have to do it. We cannot go back in there. Yeah, we can't give up and we have to remember who we are as we continue to express who we are. And if you live in a rural area, just know that there's hope. Again, reach out. The internet has been kind of like a blessing on that part. You know, like you can reach out to other people that maybe understand you a little bit better. Be mindful, of course, but honestly, hang in there and there's hope. Yes, there's hope. I mean, I'm here. I'm living a life that I didn't think was possible. And that's something that I think everyone should should know that you can create the life that you want. Not maybe not where you are right now, but you can get to the place where you need to be to do that. I love that. That's so such wise words. You can always create the life that you want. How did you get into spirituality? So I have a very interesting story. <laughs> I was adopted and my family that I was adopted into, there was a lot of harm <laughs> to everyone, not just to me. There was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of things that I went through. And by the time I was in high school, I was like pretty much completely shut down. I was a shell of myself. So by the time that I was out of high school, I knew that I needed to find myself somewhere else to be. And the first place I thought of was LA and I saved up as much money as I could and I drove here. And from that point on, I started my healing journey. I was able to see myself for the first time and I found a therapist that I was working with, and then I found hypnotherapy. I'm not sure if you know what that is. No, I've tried it actually. Well, when I was younger, I used to go like to this therapist in my home city and she would do hypnotherapist. It's like also very much like close your eyes and she would give you like these instructions. Is that something similar to what you experienced? Yeah, very similar. So I went to a hypnotherapist and maybe after like three or four sessions, my life was completely changed. I was really able to, you know, find my voice and 
understand that I don't need to hold on to the past and understand that I don't need to put so much weight on my mother's words or on my family's words. And I could really kind of step into my own power. From then, I decided to become one. So I went to school and I became a hypnotherapist. <laughs> I love that. What kind of courses or like, because, you know, like, for example, to be a doctor, you have to do like all this and then go to med school. Like, what's the process to become a hypnotherapist? So there's multiple ways of going about it. And unfortunately, in a lot of places, it's not very regulated. And California is a little bit more regulated and there's a lot of unions and stuff like that. But I went to year of schooling. First half is all instructional and you learn ethics and all of that. And the second half is like an internship where they give you clients and they you are kind of like supervised and you have to get a certain number of hours to get certified. Then from then on, you can use it in any way that you'd like. I love it. Honestly, we have to talk afterwards because I would definitely go to one of your sessions. Like <laughs> I said, your voice and your presence in and on itself. It's so soothing and calming to me. I can't, I, this is your calling. I, I think that that was why it, one of the reasons you're, you're on this earth to like do that for people, you know? Yeah, I, it, it felt so natural to me. I remember being in my first session with my hypnotherapist and I was like, this feels like maybe a connection to a past life or maybe I was just connecting to my future self. I don't know what it was, but this is what I need to be doing. Funny enough, at the same time, I was also going through dance school and I couldn't go on stage and perform. Like I had so much stage fright and that was one of the things that I started working on and I was able to break, obviously. I mean, you've seen Slay. my videos. Yes. So, and before I would go on stage, I would forget everything. Like I would be sweating. I would, I, I was like completely derailed as soon as I would step on stage, as soon as I would be in front of somebody's eyes. And I feel like it, it was like a lot of my trauma that stood in the way, but um, through hypnotherapy. And then I, I went on to do like a bunch of other healing things, but yeah, I, uh, you name it, I've done it. And I, am a much more self-realized person now because of that. I think that a lot of people don't understand it, but once you, you know, drag is obviously one aspect of our lives, but it's not the entirety of it. And I've, I've felt like I've been doing drag for almost five years now. And I think that when I'm feeling, you know, whole and better as like Raul, as myself, as a person, like it really impacts drag as well. Like I'm more inspired to create, I'm more inspired to perform. So honestly, it's, you have to work on yourself as well to create the best art out there as far as drag. I don't know if that makes any sense. I honestly feel like it goes with any art form that you are putting out into the world and connecting with people. Uh, I mean, we've seen it with celebrities that have completely destroyed their own careers or have done really heinous things. And it's really because they weren't able to see that like it goes hand in hand and you, you can't have the world without taking care of yourself and taking care of the people around you. That was something that I realized like when I when I first moved here and I started dancing, I was like, I have a lot that I need to focus on before I could step into the world of entertainment. As we know, the world of entertainment is very vicious and unforgiving at times. And there's a lot of rejection and there's a lot of cattiness, especially in the drag community. And so a lot of people go in and they think they have thick skin, but it ends up coming out to be a very destructive or vicious cycle that they put themselves and other people around them through. And I didn't want that for myself. So that's why I, I took my time getting into the entertainment industry as a dancer and then also as a drag queen. And I think that's the smartest decision, you know, because again, if you want to do like 
like good art. I mean, as good as far as like it makes you happy and good as far as that it fulfills you. And also last in this industry, like you said, that can be very vicious, very catty and competitive and exhausting. You have to take care of yourself. And I think yeah, you, it has to start internally. So I think that is very smart and a great advice for anybody that is looking to start not only drag, but maybe also any sort of art form. And take care of yourself. And again, like the people around you, like you said. Yeah. And like, it really is all about connection. Like when, when we're on stage, we're not just there to look pretty and to be seen. We're connecting with those people. And whether it be we're inspiring them because they just need to see a little bit more beauty in life or we're inspiring them because they they feel like they didn't have that confidence and maybe for that just for that moment when they look you in the eye you're inspiring them that confidence in them or yeah i mean there's just there's so many layers and levels to it i i feel no so many and it's funny a, a story just came out to my mind the other day i did brunch and it was a fairly simple brunch you know i was just two numbers one sitting so it wasn't that exhausting physically because i've been booked in like you know three different venues on one given day or much longer shows but that was like fairly like short show when i came back home i was just exhausted and i'm like why am i so tired and then i told my partner and he was like well because you gave it your all and that's it like you gave that energy and performing honestly it takes away that energy even if you think you're not doing the most but like you're giving yourself to the audience in that moment and i'm like that is a really good take on that i love it because it's true yeah that that makes a lot of sense but i like to look at it as an energy exchange and sometimes we do give and we don't allow either allow ourselves to receive or the the audience isn't giving the love back so like i i like to look at it as an energy exchange and like as long as there is an exchange of energy then maybe you are kind of thinking of it as like a hybrid car you know, like you're like regenerating. <laughs> if you're just giving, giving, giving and not allowing yourself to receive, then you are going to be exhausted at the end of the day. And I remember that's how it was for me almost every time before, before I started to understand that. Yeah, you have to recharge and refresh. It's again, it's harder when it comes to drag because we are, I don't know if like hardwired into this like hustle culture, right? Like, oh, I have to stay booked. I have to stay booked to stay relevant. But it's so important to take a break and take care of yourself. We don't realize that. <laughs> well, that's something I really didn't realize until maybe like a few months ago. No, I turned 30 in November. Congratulations. <laughs> Yo, thank you. And I haven't really shared this publicly, but like I remember I like pretty much had like a breakdown moment and I was like, what am I doing to my body? What am I doing to my mental health? Like th this hustle culture, as you called it, is, is it's too much for me. Not because I'm getting old, but because maybe I was feeling more wise in that moment and I was like I can't do this like hamster wheel anymore like I just feel like I'm not really going anywhere and um, maybe in like a materialistic way yeah you are going somewhere and you are staying relevant but like what at what cost and that's what I was asking myself at that at that moment in time and my life is very different now and and we can talk about that too but because of that moment because of that realization and the things that I changed after that I love it it's important to take care of yourself at the end of the day I think that's a lesson on on your days off what is your favorite like 
self-care activity that you like to do?、Mm, well, I love taking baths, especially like Epsom salt bath, and having like some essential oils and like candles going. That's probably like my favorite thing to do. Also, sex. That is, is very, a great way to very, take care of yourself. <laughs> great release. So you know that's, and I think that's something that I've been working on to like re- release shame about. You know, I'm a Scorpio, so you know what that means. <laughs> mm, spicy. <laughs> I love it. I don't really take a lot of baths because、uh, tub in my apartment is very small, and I'm a big bitch, so I don't really, I don't really fit. But I love just like one day you will have your own private jacuzzi. So. That part. <laughs> one day I will, and it's gonna be large enough for me and my partner.、Uh, <laughs> one day. <laughs> But I think my favorite thing to do on like a day that I'm off completely is just playing video games and just immersing myself into them. Just、uh, I don't know. For me, it's like so relaxing and so fun. Yeah, and that makes me think. Like I love watching something funny. Like. Any type of comedy, like、uh, that comedic relief, like it's so healing. I feel, and so yeah, like I'll just like sit and and watch things all day. And like I used to feel really guilty for it, and but now I'm like, no, like this is like me taking care of myself. No shade to anybody who does, but if I was sitting there watching like Real Housewives all day long, I do feel like that could be a little excessive. <laughs> but yeah, comedic relief is probably even more so where where I go instead of taking back. All the time. No, and it's important to acknowledge that you're taking care of yourself by like watching TV or doing these things that you enjoy. Because I also felt like at the beginning when I started like playing more video games and like doing that on my days off, I feel like oh my gosh, I should have spent this time like sewing a new outfit or doing something productive. But I'm like, no, this time is for me to recharge. It's not always that. It's hard to break out of that mentality. Yeah, and and that's before I had this this moment that I was talking about. I feel like. I didn't have a day off because I was always working on a mix, or always working on a performance, or always trying to put together a party. Or somebody else asked me to choreograph for them. Like it's, it, it was always something. And then I, I was like, okay, I need to learn to say no. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah, yeah, and especially when we look at our bank accounts, you know. Yeah, I feel you. Like looking at my bank account would be like, okay, maybe I can take another gig this Saturday. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh my gosh.、Yes. So we talked a little bit about that. You came to LA. When did you find drag? Was it when you moved up here, or did you have curiosity for drag before moving to LA? I had a curiosity for drag for a while. I had met like a local queen from home, and I was just like so amazed and enamored with her and. And、it was so foreign to me still. Like I, I hadn't really been watching Drag Race. Like I knew about it, but like you know, we were poor, so I didn't have cable. I wasn't. I didn't have Logo TV. That's what it was on back then.、Um, after moving here, I actually met Shangela, and we became friends. I did not know how big she was. I had no idea, and it was it was such a cool experience because I would go to gigs with her. I wasn't even twenty one yet. Yeah, this is MT, I guess. <laughs> I was I was using Sandra's ID because we had the same hair. It was such an amazing experience, and so like I got like a an inside look of drag within like the first experience of it. At the same time, like it wasn't like I started going to drag shows and seeing it. I was like I moved here, met Sandra a month later, and started like being immersed in the world, like the behind the scenes of drag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not just any drag queens either. It was like the Rue girls, so. 
mind blowing. Literally. Oh my goodness. That's a great story. And like, did she help you to like get on stage the first time or how did that happen? No, I feel like I had a lot to work through. Like I still had a lot of my own misconceptions. Like, and, and I think that's important for us to realize, like even those of us in the queer community, we have to unlearn things that we've been taught. Like, why? first of all, I didn't believe in myself to be able to do it. And second of all, I, I had just so much that was placed on me from mostly from my mom actually that like I couldn't wear makeup I couldn't I couldn't wear women's clothes like it was it was a disgrace it was disgusting like all of those things were like so implanted in my brain and I needed to let go of that and so it took maybe about six years before I even started to dabble. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it's good. I think that at the end of the day, everything happens for a reason. And maybe you, obviously you needed to work through all that to get to that point where you actually enjoyed yourself being on stage and mm -hmm. presented the best version of yourself. I think that I went through something a little similar. When I was 19, I was still living in my hometown. This is back in Mexico. So it's a like small city. I would say like maybe it's like half a million population. And it's not... What is it called? It's, in, it's called Mex Mexicali in Mexico. Okay, yeah. My partner's from Mexico City, so like I've I've heard of it. Nice. It's it's alright. I mean you're not missing out. It's way too hot. <laughs> but <laughs> I used to live there and I was nineteen. The drinking age is eighteen over there. Yeah. And I was at this bar and I know that Shakira was going to be performing at some stadium on that city the next weekend. So the bar was like, the drag queen at the bar actually was like, I need five Shakira super fans that want to like win VIP tickets. I was like, oh, me, like say less. I'm like, okay, so there's five of us on stage. And she's like, you're going to go with my sis over there and she's going to put you in real quick drag and you're going to perform here. And whoever performs the best is going to win the tickets. That's so cool. And I'm like, it was so cool. But you know what I did? I was like, I can't do this. Oh. And I stepped out. Oh. I was like, no, not for me. And I was like, now that I look back at it, I'm like, oh my God, this is so much of like the internalized machismo mm -hmm. and all of that that I was just like, that I grew up with. I don't know. But I was like, oh, I could have, that could have been like my first time in drag. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I would have won. I mean, I, I, I'm a really good dancer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, it makes sense. Like, I, and I honestly feel like I would have done the same thing. Uh, unfortunately, once you realize how much of a construct everything is and how much of it is forced upon us, like it's so funny how they always say like we're forcing things on children or we're forcing things on society. And it's like, actually, it's the other way around. <laughs> and we had to unlearn that. <laughs> and maybe maybe we're teaching other people not to hold on to your beliefs because it's not theirs but maybe that's, I mean, I, that's the only thing that we're doing <laughs> yeah we're just encouraging everyone to have different points of view and that maybe this is not the only way to look at things there's different ways and you can at some point choose whatever fits you better that's it yeah we're not pushing there's no such thing as a gay agenda right yeah because there's a lot of gays that i do not want their life and uh, no shade but there's even so many layers to our queer community like there's so much that like people don't get they're like everyone all the letters lgbtqia plus it's all the same and it's like no we're not a monolith at all <laughs> no i feel that part because again there's so many guys that i'm like mm, i don't know if i want to live that life no shame if you're enjoying it by all means do it if it rocks your boat but i feel you i'm like mm, i got other priorities other points of view i i feel you on that one that really resonated with me <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So I know that some of your biggest projects or collaborations have been with 
Honey Davenport and with Shea Coulee. How did those come about? So, well, I was talking about my friend Aziza earlier. So she's kind of become like one of my best duties here. And like we dance kind of on the same level. And so we perform a lot together. And she ended up being asked by Honey like to be her, her daughter. Well, the Honey asked her to be her daughter and she accepted. And so I, through my friendship with Aziza, I've gotten a, a bit closer to Honey. And we've worked on a few things together at Mickey's and in other spaces. So it's been a... A relationship like that we've been building and then we did that bring it on video and i love bring it on i wanted to be one of the clovers when i was little and i, I knew that i couldn't do cheer where i was living where i grew up <laughs> so it was like a full circle moment for me it was very like my inner child was very happy um and then the shea coulee literally she posted something on twitter and all these people started tagging me so she was she was like i need four black drag queens that are in la that are trained in jazz and and available this Saturday for a music video shoot. And everyone was tagging me. I was very honored that people were thinking of me just in general, but I didn't realize that like she was going to reach out. So she reached out to me and she was like, hey, like, it seems like you are respected in the community so i'd love to have you in my music video yeah that was that was history <laughs> that is so cool i met honey at well briefly outside of executive suites we we're both very drunk but she was so <laughs> sweet <Not honey. laughs> <We were> both... <laughs> i was like i really liked you on ripple's drag race <laughs> and she was like oh thank you honey and we just hugged it out <laughs> She was so sweet. I'm like, oh, like it was such a moment. Yeah, she was so sweet. And like, that's how she is at all times. And she's such a mom. Like, yeah, she's a great mother to all of her children. <laughs> how many children, uh, more children does she have? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely have not met all of them. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to invite her over and ask her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have her number, so. <laughs> uh <laughs> I know where she lives. <laughs> oh my god, imagine just being outside. Hey, I brought pizza. That's <laughs> a bribe. No, but that Clover's video, it's so fun. I was obsessed with it because I was obsessed with Bring It On. Especially the first one. I didn't really see all the 17 of them. But oh, yeah. it was so cool. Like the choreo. The first one is the only one. Literally. <laughs> I'm like, it's the only good one. And like you guys did the choreo so like to the T. I was like, oh, this this is perfection. Yeah, I loved it. And, and we had Miss. Selena Estudis, and we had Mariah Paris Balenciaga with us, and also Angeria, who just moved here to LA. And yeah, she's she was so sweet too. Yes, I don't know if she moved here to LA. Yeah, yeah, she just moved here. Welcome, Angeria. If you're listening to this, warm welcomes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Divinity, I know you've done so much with your drag, and I know the list is ongoing, but besides these two big projects that, you know, we just discussed, another project that is mm, very near and dear to your heart that you've done, that you're the proudest of, or another remarkable project, if you will? Well, there's kind of two. So I was asked to be one of the headlining acts of DTLA Proud last year. So DTLA Proud is a queer festival that we have in downtown LA, but it is ran and by LA natives, and they're they are black and brown and they also prioritize talent that is local and they prioritize uh, black and brown talent. So 
That was really amazing. It was my first time putting together like a full set. I was able to kind of honor our queer ancestors, as I call them, our queer pioneers, like RuPaul, of course. And now I can't think of everyone. Harvey Milk. Yes. So that was one of the best moments of last year. And then I also, I have an agent now. Agent got me a, a booking to open up on tour for a queer artist named King Princess last year. So I opened up for two nights on her tour. Apparently every city that, that they go to, they... They find a, a local drag artist and have them open up for them. And it was just like that. It was kind of a tease because I'm like, I want to keep going. Can take me on the rest of your tour. But it was electrifying. It was definitely the biggest crowd I ever performed for. And I can't wait to be on tour because I know it's going to happen. <laughs> that is so cool that they reach out to local drag artists. They reach out to you. That is so fun. You're like, I have blue balls now. I need more tour performances. <laughs> Literally, I felt edged. <laughs> 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 like okay anymore that is so cool did you have like uh was that opening set only yourself or did you have any backup dancers because i know you use them a lot too it was only myself because literally i got i got asked to do it on the day of yeah i was so nervous but i really feel like as soon as i as soon as the music starts playing like that goes away i even got on the mic after and i gave my venmo within 10 minutes i had 400 in my venmo account yes because you know, you know how it is. Usually when we have shows, we give our Venmo out and we'll, we'll be lucky if we get like $5. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I didn't expect that reaction, but it, it, it goes to show that I made that connection like I was talking about. And there was that energy. Exchange. I love that. Uh, I love that you're getting your bag too. Uh, so important. Touched earlier on stage fright and that, you know, I think on my TikTok is one of the most reoccurring questions, like how to overcome it. How did you overcome stage fright or what are some of the things that you do to overcome it well i highly recommend hypnotherapy so that's one thing <laughs> probably like the biggest piece of the puzzle for me but also just like you know think about all of the times when you were growing up where you didn't feel heard and you didn't feel seen and like also just like ask yourself like do i feel heard and seen now and how can i step into my own voice and see how important it is and see how important my energy is to be not validated because like that's not what being on stage is about but like how do I validate it within myself and so when I step on that stage it doesn't matter if I mess up it doesn't matter if I choke it doesn't matter if I forget the lyrics or make a fool of myself like what matters is I'm showing up and I'm like truly standing in my on it on my own and being myself and you know it, it's funny like a lot of things like as soon as you stop caring or as soon as you don't put so much pressure on yourself then it just flows naturally and i feel like that's that was like the aha moment for me because I, I used to treat every performance like as if like everything had to stop in my life or like everything had to stop in that moment and it's like no like you just flow through it it's a flow it's not a all eyes on me and like this is the only thing that's happening it's like no like there's there's that conversation that i was talking about that's happening between you and the audience and that's what's important in that moment that connection i love that live in the moment right such great tips right because again first of all you have to start by healing that part of you that is so afraid of being on the spotlight right. and once you right. figure that out i feel like you're able to to move on yeah. I, I think that that's one of the things that i also worked through because uh -huh. i was also like 
like very like nervous especially when i would have to like be on the mic i was like oh hell no Man. but i don't know i think one of the things or the what do you call them the things that you repeat to yourself your affirmations that i do now it's called i am my own person and i run my own show it's like okay i'm in charge now and this is me and this is what i'm doing and this is what i'm putting out i don't know and for me it works i mean obviously everyone is going to have their own affirmations but i'd say that like when i'm about to go on stage and it really does help that was actually another thing i was going to touch on so like grounding and a lot of people don't uh, if you don't understand what grounding is grounding is like really like stepping into yourself and like really like you're feeling present in that moment and that's something that i feel like you know we see performers go on stage and like they'll just be like they they just go through the motions (laughs) and like you can feel that like they're just trying to get through it and if you ground yourself before you go on that stage, then you are you feel your feet hitting the ground. You feel when you you do the dip or, or when you do the split. Like you feel all of these things happening and you're connected in that moment. And I think that's really important. Kind of like touch on like, you know, we talked about like my entrance into drag or like my my first exposure to drag, but I, d- I haven't really talked about like what the moment was like when I decided like this is what I'm gonna, going to do. And it kind of points to this whole thing that we're talking about. I feel like when I look back, I was dancing professionally and I was doing things like things were happening, but I felt like I was kind of sque- I was trying to squeeze myself into this box. And then I was asked to do this more flamboyant dance. And it was a friend of mine and she was like, you're going to be like the center of attention and I'm going to put you in heels and like you're going to be the diva. And I'm like, I'm so shy. Like, how am I going to do that? And as soon as I put the heels on, it was like nothing was stopping me. And I was like, I don't think I ever want to dance without heels ever again. <laughs> I remember having that performance and I was like, there's something more to this. Like there's, I can take this somewhere else. Yeah, it's drag, but it, like it's something more. And, and what I realized was me trying to put myself in the box was me denying a huge part of myself and me opening up to this other part of myself was like opening up another world within myself. I was like, huh, like, I'm going to follow this and see where it leads. And it ended up being drag and I'm very grateful for my journey. But I think that a huge part to get back to the stage fright thing, I think a huge part of stage fright is understanding how to come from your energy, from your sense of space. And like, if you're trying to be RuPaul or you're trying to be Latrice Royale or you're trying to be Shangela, like maybe that's not your energy. And that's like the biggest advice I could give, right? Like if you show up authentically, there's nothing to be afraid of. And you feel that deeply. Yes, I love and follow your instinct and follow your gut, right? Because I feel like that's what you did. You were like, oh my gosh, I have this feeling that I can take this somewhere. There's somewhere in here for me about, you know, with this. So follow it. I feel like a lot of the times we are so, again, hardwired or programmed to just make rational decisions, right? Like what is it that is making sense for me? But a lot of the times you have to follow that Mm-hmm. you know that instinct that intuition i mean i feel like even now five years in or four and a half years in or whatever i feel like i'm still just like scratching the surface of like what's to come and before turning 30 i was like go 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 like i need to like like we were saying like i i, I need to be seen i need to be heard i need to be relevant and now i'm like take my time and like really do this authentically and really do this intentionally drag isn't gonna go anywhere even though people are trying to make that happen right now it's not gonna go anywhere my connection to my art is not gonna go anywhere i don't i don't know where i'm going with that now <laughs> no but like again to slow down right yeah. it, it's 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 not ideal to always be like 
running, running, running,、right. hustling, working, running. Ah,、uh, so slow down. Be. I love that the word intentional. You have to be intentional about your drag and what you're, why you are doing what you're doing. So it's sometimes it's necessary to step back and to look at the whole picture and be like, okay, I can go keep going for like. A little bit, or I need to slow down and figure this out before I keep going. Exactly, and and like I have a lot of children, but like they're not all drag queens. Some of them are just dancers, and others are neither of the two. And like I'm just I just mentor them, and I tell them all like taking care of you is how you can show up fully in the world, and that's how. You can then support yourself. Like a, a, a lot of them struggle with like taking care of themselves financially, and they burn themselves out, and they say yes to everything, even if it's not paid. And like I try to like really stress on the fact that like the way that you respect yourself is by saying no sometimes, slowing down sometimes, and putting a price on your talent. Right? Like you you can't do twenty five dollar gigs all the time. You're never gonna make it anywhere with that. At some point, you have to say no. I don't accept that. That is not a representation of what I'm giving you, and that took me a, a long time to learn as well. You have to be intentional about the gigs that you take too,、yeah. because you're right. You cannot be doing 25 or free tip spots all the time. You have to be like, okay, every time that I do this, I'm like, I still do tip spots. Not gonna lie, but again, I'm intentional about it. I'm like, okay, yeah, like what is it? Like you have to think about, okay, like am I gonna meet somebody or like is somebody gonna see me perform that I really want? To see me perform, or is it just going to be like there's five people here that are going to give me five dollars, and I'm going to go home feeling like I put in all this effort for no reason? Yes,、oh, yes. Be intentional, y'all. If you're listening to this, be intentional of the gigs that you take. <laughs> And about your drag, oh gosh, <laughs> Divinity, you've done so much. But I want to know what's what's next. I always ask my guests these questions. So, what is your short-term goal for drag? Maybe for the rest of the year. And what is your ultimate goal in drag? Like, what you want to achieve ultimately? Before I get to that, I want to like kind of like give you a little snapshot of like the journey from that moment that I realized I needed to make some changes in my life and changes in my drag. And something that I realized I really want. To start giving back to the community. A friend of mine who is also a queen. I, I'm sure you know Coco de Bachery. Oh, I love her. I love her too. So we are now co-workers.、Uh, we work at a nonprofit organization called APAIT. Don't ask me the acronym. How like all the letters? I don't know. I'm the first to admit that. But it's an amazing organization. We do everything from testing to support groups for queer individuals. We Own housing sites, and we invite unhoused or or likely to be unhoused LGBTQ people、um, from all ages, not just youth. And like, we're really taking care of the community in a way that I have not seen any other organization doing. And so I started. In January, there, and I am kind of like a rehabilitation specialist. So I'm kind of like what I do with my children. Like I teach them the skills that they need to be independent in the world and show up in the world authentically as themselves. And I've seen a lot of progress already. But I feel like my short-term goal back then was like, okay, I want to give back to the community. And and now I'm seeing how like it can overlap with my drag. Like we're going to start doing brunches for either for clients or just like you know for the organization. We're putting together like a fashion show. We are like going to start offering like dance classes and makeup classes, and and like all of this is going to be in the realm of like healing. Like it's not just about like the materialistic part of all of these things, right? It's about like、uh, for trans women, like how do I affirm 
my identity, how I affirm my gender, and for queer youth, like how do I step into my authentic self and how do I show up as that and with either dance classes or whatever, like how do I, you know, get into my body because I was told not to act feminine or dance feminine or whatever. So there's all these like moving parts that I feel like are finally coming together that are very authentic to me and to really actually be like giving back to the community is like a dream of mine that I've, I've wanted to do for so long. And as far as for, for my drag, like I see it inspiring my drag so much. Like I feel like there's so much cooking in my brain now and like so much, it sounded like I was talking about doing math, but I, I feel like there's, there's so much to come from this because I'm inspired by everyone that I work with and I'm inspired by everyone uh, every person that works at my in my organization, like what they're doing, because everybody has a different job, you know. And I feel like long term, I see myself possibly on a drag race or something. I also see myself like being like a creative director. Like I love to create performances, especially for other people, because I feel like we can stand in our own way sometimes. I see myself having like like a production company. I see myself going into businesses, like multiple businesses. Like I see. I see very big picture and I, I feel like I've already done a lot in my life, not not to brag, not because I'm conceited or arrogant, but I have set out to do a lot in my life and I don't think that it stops here, that's for sure. And I have ADHD, so I do have to zone in sometimes and be like, okay, we're going to focus on one thing at a time. But I'm very grateful that I have all these aspects and avenues that I can go down and it's really exciting to see where that, that leads me and how that supports our community. There's nothing that I love more than when personal interests emer- and, and goals like emerge with drag. Yeah. Oh, that is so great. And I love when, when I see it and when, when you're telling me that, you know, the nonprofit is, you know, hand in hand with like your personal goals and like it's inspiring and it's it, your drag is just beautiful. I'm like, yes, yes. Oh, I'm so excited to see what's what's to come with that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm very excited as well. And I and when I had that moment that I keep referring back to, I almost gave up like I almost quit drag because I felt like I wasn't getting what I needed not from drag but like from life in general and I feel like I'm at this whole full circle moment now where I feel like I have not something to get out of bed for but like I see change happening and I see how I'm like regenerating myself through all of this work that I'm doing and it's not depleting me like it like I was feeling back then yeah because the goal with drag is not for it to be, feel exhausting right at the end of the day it's like a like a skate ball or it's a form of expression so it should be honestly the other way around it should feel fulfilling so if you're feeling like it's dreading and exhausting you please pause and reevaluate and take care of whatever that is that that it's putting your drag down or putting you down in general yeah yeah and one of the things that I kind of like wanted to implement into my life was like when I put so much pressure on myself to use drag as like my only source of income, that's when I was depleting myself. But now that I have this other thing that goes hand in hand with it, I can do with it. I'm able to support myself, of course, but also like then it, drag becomes a choice again. It becomes it becomes something that I love again. Like it, it, it brings me back to why I'm doing all of this in the first place. And I feel like that's that's a connection that we all need to make in order to not get burned out and not 
not want to give up on drag because if we give up then they all win and we know who they are <laughs> yes and we cannot let them win honey not this one not any of them or even or even your inner salvatore like you don't want them to you don't want that to win either no because we've worked so hard to unlearn all these things to get to where we are like no no ma'am, no, ma'am. <laughs> oh my gosh don't let that bitch win in other words <laughs> put her out to the trash her go yes boot her Fuck you, fuck them kids, and fuck you too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Well, Divinity, we're almost out of time. This has been such a great conversation. I feel so like full of energy. I feel so relaxed. Thank you so much for joining the pod. Um, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at the only Divinity on Instagram on Venmo. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> I think my Twitter is like the like. Uh, T-H-E-E Divinity because somebody took my name on there. And where else? Uh, TikTok is the only Divinity. And as far as like where you can find me performing, I'm in downtown LA a lot. I'm in West Hollywood and soon to be in a city that you're in. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Thank you for listening to 100 Steps to Drag. If you like my podcast, don't be shy. Share it with your friends. Leave me a review. If you didn't like it, you're probably homophobic. This episode was edited by Chow Panda Productions. I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.